Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. What a pleasure each and every Saturday to be with you. Thanks for telling your family and your friends. Well, this was a tough week for all of us. We loved Kobe Bryant. The one-year anniversary, it just touches us all right in the heart. He was a family member to all of us. And he died going to the Mamba Center with his daughter and the other members of the helicopter also going to the Mamba Center. It was so important to him to be a father, to understand the fun that kids can have in sports and how it's the reason to do it. Later, it becomes a business. Later, it becomes an adult playing sports, but not in the beginning. And nobody knew that better than Kobe Bryant. You know how much I love the world of art, the world of sports, and the world of surgery. Just like Kobe knew there was a difference between a kid and an adult. A kid is not a small adult. They're different. And in surgery, if you tell me your 13-year-old sprained their wrist, I'm going to tell you, no, they didn't. Growing kids don't sprain joints. Why? Because they have something called a growth plate, which is weaker than a ligament. So if you hurt yourself as a kid, you got to worry that you hurt the, the growth plate. But if you're the parent, you're fully grown. There's no more growth plate. You can sprain your ligament, but not a kid. Don't let any doctor tell you that your kids sprain their knee, sprain their ankle, because the weaker structure is the growth plate. And coming up next at 8.15, we're going to talk to an expert in injuries to kids, particularly baseball pitchers and their elbows. Because you think there's an epidemic of Tommy John surgery and injuries in major league baseball players. No, the epidemic is in kids. You cannot see a kid like an adult in the world of medicine that I live in, the world of sports, and the world of surgery. And we're going to get into two examples, one in sports, one in art. My favorite kid guitar player, who's now a 40-year-old and a father himself, just like Kobe, coaching Gigi, his daughter, is Johnny Lang. But first, I want to talk about Kobe. Let's listen to the great Snoop Dogg talking about his best friend and watching Kobe Bryant go from being a 17-year-old kid playing sports because he loves it, transitioning to being a father. Number one. Still trying to process it. Um, dear friend of mine, loved his whole transformation, how he became great. You know, when he first got to L.A., he wasn't great. He was a kid, and he was learning, and he was making mistakes, and I was a kid at the same time, so it was like it was beautiful watching his story and watching mine's. 
and watching him become a legend, and become a father, and become a mentor, and become a real leader. So it crushed my heart because I knew that he wasn't done. Hmm. Let's go to number six. That was the most exciting part of me seeing him show up to games and roll with his daughter and be the father. Right. The, the, when you become a father, that's the most beautiful gift you can get in this world, to be able to have that relationship with your kids. Right. It was when he retired, I had him come to my um, spot in Inglewood because I wanted to give him a gift. A gift to me with my six-fold Chevrolet. I gave it to him. I wanted him to have it. Hmm. Number seven. But when he came to see me, me and my son was in the studio and he was talking to my son and the information that he was giving my son was so, it was like a teacher. And I, it was the same stuff that I had told my son, but he didn't hear me the way he heard him. It's, it's funny how that works. It was so much confirmation. Yes. That I needed from Kobe to come in and, and mentor my son at that time because he had made the decision not to play football. Right. And to try other things in right. life. And Kobe gave him the confirmation that whatever you do, just be great at what you do. Right. Here's Shannon Sharp from Fox Sports Undisputed talking about what Kobe meant to him and really what he meant to all of us about this transition, recognizing in the world of sports, going from being just a kid, playing for the fun of it, to being a father. Number five. I said it felt like a family member had passed Mm. because you watch a 17-year-old kid when become a champion, become a husband, become a father, and then he transitioned after 20 years in the NBA, and he goes to a new phase of his life. And it seems that he was going to be as successful in the new phase as he was in the old. And, you know, sometimes we just think, a guy like Kobe, we expect him to live forever. We expect him to be 85, 90, he gets old, goes to sleep one night, doesn't wake up. Guy, they're not supposed to die like this, fool. Hmm. And the most telling was listening to Kenny the Jet Smith reflect on Kobe being that coach, that for the next level that he's going to, recognizing that a kid is not a small adult. Number 12. Because that is the routine that every soccer dad, soccer mom does. Saturday, Sunday, you drive and you carpool to these tournaments and you're only doing it not to hope that your daughter or your son is going to be in the NBA or you're doing it with the hope that you have a memory with your kids. He bought a, you think about this, he bought a, a gymnasium an hour and a half from where he lives. You think Kobe Bryant needs to buy a gymnasium in Thousand Oaks? No. To make money? No. Mm, 13. You think Kobe Bryant needs to have a tournament for girls called the Mamba Series? No, he's doing it to spend moments with his daughter. And then he takes on the responsibility of all of those other kids. Because as we soccer dads, Shaq knows, D-Wade, you know, now your daughter didn't play Charles, but we, we're in that environment. We're going like, if you're coaching that team, everyone says, oh, he's coaching. No, he had to call everyone to get on that chopper. He had to say what time we're going to meet, call the other parents. Oh, by the way, we're wearing our black uniforms. It can be draining for a guy who's Kobe Bryant. But he took the challenge and said, no, I'm going to be, my mama mentality makes me a dad first. Mm, and finally, 14. He makes me a dad first. And I'm going to show you how to be a dad. I'm going to be just as aggressive 
as being a dad. And that was a transition that I never said until even now. I was like, I'm admiring in this dude, like his transition into fatherhood. Yeah. And, you know, and just being retired. And it, it just hurts. And that's what we all can relate to what he was doing and why he was doing it. And it, and it hurts. In the world of art, where do I see the Kobe Bryant, the prodigy as a kid, rising to ultimately become a father, recognizing the difference between doing that sport, that art, the difference between a kid not being a young adult, it's different. Johnny Lang gets his first hit at 15 years old. Lie to me. A blues song. What does he know about the blues? Listen to his transition, how he first was mesmerized as a kid seeing a blues guitar player for the very first time. He's a farm boy in South Dakota, but his dad introduces him to the music. One day, a live concert in his farm town. Number four. I had never really known what, you know, I guess like American Roots music was like blues music and uh, in particular. And um, uh, my dad took me out to see a concert. Um, some guys he was friends with uh, in our hometown. And um, it was my uh, first time seeing that, that kind of music. They were a blues band. And uh, the guitar player, the sound coming out of his amp was just something I'd never heard before. And it just freaked me out. And I just said to myself, I have got to learn how to make a guitar sound like that. You know? This is like Kobe Bryant saying he's seeing Magic Johnson for the first time and saying to himself, that's what I want to do. I want to play like that. That's the guitar player that Johnny Lang just saw. Number five. Like I said, just that sound. I mean, you know, I don't know any other way to explain it. Um, it was so raw and emotional and it just hit something inside of me uh it it was exciting for me because i had always known that i wanted to be a singer um and be involved in music somehow but when i saw these guys playing and, and heard it and saw that this is the level of emotion that you can have with it 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 just made me excited like i could i think i could do that you know what was it like to be Kobe Bryant with the guitar, being so young as a kid in an adult world? Number six. Remembering back on it's kind of a, just a blur, uh, but I just remember that it was fun. <laughs> you know, I was getting to live my dream, you know, um, from an early age. And, you know, the feeling of having your parents support you doing something like that when you're young. and. Uh, is incredible in itself and then as the years have gone by it's still realizing man i get to make my living playing music what's it like to be such a young kid in a man's world number nine when you get put into a, a world of just uh, adult culture uh at as a 13 year old um you know that's that's pretty quick to grow up for, for just about anybody, especially in the U.S. 
uh, it's different. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, but at the time it was, it was great, you know, it was fun. Because he started so young and was such a prodigy, just like Kobe Bryant, his feeling to cherish the experience and do it for fun as a youngster makes makes Kobe want to make the Mamba Center that amazes Kenny Smith and Snoop Dogg, but it makes Johnny Lang, Johnny Lang want to do the same thing in music with his own kids and to teach other prodigies and people to love music, but also to respect that a kid is not a young, a small adult. Number 10. I look at music much differently now than I think I did then. Then it was something fun uh, for me, you know, something I enjoyed. And, uh, and I think over the years, it's kind of shifted to something that uh, maybe could be used to help other people too, and, and not just be for me. To give back. That's what Kobe did with the Mamba Center, giving back. So did Johnny Lang. And Johnny Lang's a 40-year-old man now with five kids. But the story's the same. And in medicine, you better not treat a kid like they're a young adult. They're not. Their anatomy, their brain, their emotion, it's not the same. We're going to learn more about it from an expert calling in from New York, from the Hospital for Special Surgery, Dr. Kathy McElhaney. So excited to talk to her. Coming up next here on the Weekend Warrior Show on 710 ESPN. Miss an interview or Doc's weekly story? Check it out on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Also, Doc's advice to callers on their aches and pains. Just type Weekend Warrior in the Facebook search bar, and you'll see Doc's picture in the listings. And thanks for checking out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. What's the best medicine? Besides chicken soup, <laughs> vitamin C, <laughs> green tea, <laughs> prunes, uh, yeah. shot whiskey, <laughs> Not around here. What's the best medicine? I cannot wait. We call it Clafter. <laughs> Dr. Clapper calls this guy. He says, I got bad news and I got worse news. Guy says, give me the bad news. Doctor says, you got 24 hours to live. The guy says, what could be worse than that? Doctor says, I've been trying to reach you since yesterday. Clafter. Hey, it's Sedano. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday than when my guy, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m., Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Oh. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I'm Big Clap. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. We don't care who sees, so what we go out. That's how it's supposed to be, living young and wild and Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Beautiful Snoop Dogg. Talking about his relationship with Kobe. Kobe's relationship with him and Snoop Dogg's son. Kenny the Jet Smith talking about the Mamba Center. How much Kobe wanted to give back as a father to create moments with your kid. But the point is, 
He started so young. He knew what it was like to fall in love with sports, but saw the difference between being a kid playing sports versus an adult. It's different. And in the world of art, Johnny Lang starting at 13, being a prodigy, having a hit record, and he's 16 years old. Now he's a 40-year-old father of five. It's important to see that kids are not small adults. And who knows this better than my guest right now, the great Dr. Kathy McElhinney. Kathy, thanks so much for joining us this morning, calling in from New York. We really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. So tell us, before we get started, a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? What'd your dad do to, for a living? And why did you pick medicine of all the things to do with your life? <laughs> all right. Well, I grew up in Southern Illinois um, on, in a small town right near the border of Kentucky called Carbondale. And oh. uh, my dad was a small town family practitioner, so also a physician in our town. Um, ended up going to Atlanta for undergrad and at Emory University, where I was actually an Irish studies major, and then went on to do my medical <laughs> training in Chicago and uh, landed myself in New York for residency, which is what allowed me to have kind of a front row seat to hospital for special surgery. I was next door at Cornell and always had an interest in sports and an interest in children and an interest in medicine. Um, and so it was kind of the perfect combination and the perfect place to pursue that sort of career. Um, so that's what landed me here. Your father, your mother must be so proud of you. I'm proud of you, and I've never even met you. Good for you. Wow. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, when I heard about the paper that you wrote with Dr. Dines, uh, it fascinated me because the mistake we make in all facets of life, sports, surgery, art, seeing a kid, as though they're a young adult is wrong. And in our case of medicine, it's anatomically wrong. So take us through the epidemic in Major League Baseball players wrecking their elbow. Sandy Koufax, the term was they blew out their elbow. We now know what that means better, the ulnar collateral ligament. But why the epidemic in baseball pitching in the major league baseball player, but now also in kids. Take us through the pathology of throwing a baseball and what it does to the elbow. Yeah, no, great question. I think, unfortunately, injuries definitely continue to be on the rise, especially of late in that youth population. Um, if you look at the Tommy John ligament in particular, you know, we've seen a six-fold increase um, in just in the past 20 years among high school players alone in terms of the need to have that surgery done. I think the issue in kids is kind of twofold. I think it's a volume and a velocity problem. Um, and I think that the, you know, the mechanics behind everything is, is um, complex, but I think the long and the short of it is that kids don't have the same um, sort of core strength and, and stabilizing muscle strength that an adult pitcher does. And uh, I think a lot of times they're now playing on multiple teams, they're playing multiple positions, and, and there's just a volume that is probably different than it was in the past. And then they're also, you know, it's, it's very in vogue to throw fast. And the one thing that is consistently demonstrated um, to be correlated with an increased risk of UCL injury is velocity. And so I think there's a push to get these kids to throw faster at a younger age. So you combine those two things, and I think the epidemic, you know, continues, unfortunately, to, to grow despite our best efforts and pitch count um, implementations and everything else. Well, Woody Allen, the comedian, used to say, those who can't do, teach. Those who can't teach, teach.
teach gym. That's so exactly. the bottom line is, is relying on the baseball coach, the football coach to actually tell us what's best for our, our kid physically may not be the smartest thing to do. And thanks to people like Dr. Andrews, for example, who emphasize you just make it simple. This is how many pitches and you can't pitch more than 40 or 30 in a game, whatever it is that you come up with. But what I'm fascinated by is your paper where you talk about the difference. People don't really appreciate that throwing a ball in Little League is different than in Major League because of the mound. Tell us about the pitcher's mound. Yeah, so, you know, that's kind of what our study was specifically looking at was the difference between throwing from a mound and, and throwing from flat ground. And I think that there have been now several studies to demonstrate that the, the further out you get, you know, in some of these long toss programs from flat ground, there ironically can be uh, a, probably a greater load on the elbow than there are at times throwing off the mound. But I think that mm. anecdotally, we've always been taught and we always kind of assumed that throwing off the mound was the most dangerous and, and kind of torque producing motion out there. And so mm. what, you know, what our study looked at is, is a kid throwing off of a mound versus throwing off of flat ground at that same regulation distance versus a bit of a shorter distance. Um, and I think that there's something about the mound that probably allows these guys to throw more efficiently. Uh, at least that's what um, some of the conclusions that we drew from, from our paper. Um, but, of course, it allows them to kind of have a greater stride length um, and to go through the motion more quickly and achieve a greater velocity throwing off of a uh, mound versus throwing off a of flat ground. Teach us a little bit. I'm talking to the great Dr. Kathy McElhaney, an expert in pitchers, pitchers who are kids and really understands and to teach us all that kids are not small adults in the world of anatomy and of sports. Teach us a little bit about the anatomy of what happens inside the elbow joint when you throw a fastball or a curveball. Ligaments, bone, growth plate, what are the bones in the elbow? Teach us a little bit about the anatomy of what goes right and what goes wrong. Yeah. No, great question. And I think this is where age is so important um, because the anatomy has direct implications on what sort of injury patterns you see. So in these younger kids that have open growth plates in their elbow, um, you know, the famous Tommy John ligament attaches um, actually in the area that's near that growth plate. But because in kids, growth plates are actually weaker than their surrounding ligaments and tissues, oftentimes the injury you're going to see in a little league player is little league elbow, which is basically just irritation of the physis or irritation of the growth plate. As they get older and they begin to skeletally mature, um, you start to see injuries to the ligament itself. And sometimes when they're in that tween stage, you see uh, partial tears of the UCL in addition to irritation of a closing physis. Um, but I think that from a biomechanical perspective, what you're asking your elbow to do in baseball is probably one of the most unusual and stressful motions that exists in sports. You know, if you look at the, the velocity that these pitchers' arms move and then the valgus torque, just meaning kind of the angular torque that these elbows see as they have to whip around to be able to throw with the velocity that these guys throw with, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not a motion that is natural. It's not a motion the body is meant to do on a repetitive basis. And so having appropriate mechanics and then having the soft tissue support from something like your flexor pronator mass, for instance, is really important to kind of offload those, the Newtons that that UCL ligament sees specifically. But I think in our youth population, the tough part is that you also have this growth plate. And so, you know, growth plates, it's important to have correct mechanics, but it's also important to moderate volume because the biggest trigger for, for irritation of that physis is just too much throwing. Mm. 
One of the highlights in my professional career was doing my fellowship and writing a paper with the great Dr. Frank Job, who the reason I wanted so desperately to come from New York, where I'm from, to spend my fellowship with him and write a paper with him was because he was the genius who came up with the idea of using high-speed film and electrodes to see which muscles actually fire as you load your arm to throw a baseball. It was a genius idea to time which muscles fire during different parts of the throwing motion. Fascinating. And discovering that it was in fact your spine muscles that, that really gave you the torque and the power to throw, your legs as well. Right. Teach us a little bit about the relationship with your back, generating the speed, and is there a relationship between shoulder injuries and the elbow and elbow injuries leading to shoulder injuries? Yeah, absolutely. I think the thing that we often refer to is this whole principle of the kinetic chain. Um, and the one thing I really try to emphasize to my younger throwers uh, in the clinical setting is pitching starts at your toes and ends at your fingertips. And it's a, it's a synchronized mus um, process, obviously, and a very coordinated movement pattern that is really optimized by um, utilizing your lower extremities to start, allowing your torso and your spine and your, and your abdominal muscles and your core to serve as kind of the vector um, to transfer that force into your upper extremity. And then I think that a big piece of, of um, throwing uh, success as well as injury prevention happens at the next kind of communicator, and that's your scapula. Um, so as you kind of move up your core and towards your shoulder blade, your shoulder blade is then what is able to transfer the force effectively to your shoulder, to your elbow, to your fingertips. So I think, you know, similar to the old child song, the hip bones connected to the knee bone, connected to the mm -hmm. shin bone, et cetera. I think that you're right. Everything is connected and sequential. And so it's not only, um, you know, having adequate strength, but also having, having adequate timing and, um, and movement patterns that are appropriate and sequential. Um, and all of that starts at the toes and is really enhanced by, by um, optimal core strength and then the shoulder blade and the muscles that support that shoulder blade and allow it to protract and retract and distribute the force to the shoulder and elbow. The more I talk to you, the more I'm falling in love with you as a doctor taking care of these kids. It's really terrific to hear the passion in your voice. The, I think back on one of the most difficult conversations I've ever had in 31 years of being an orthopedic surgeon. It was the day I walked into an exam room and there was this little fella who was the star pitcher for his high school team with his father, the Meshuggah father, who basically said, go ahead, Kevin, tell Dr. Clapper that your elbow hurts. And the little boy looked at his father and said, you know, dad, it feels better now. No, Kevin, tell Dr. Clapper that you're because this father was convinced that if his superstar son had Tommy John surgery, like many crazy parents, they think it actually makes you stronger than the ligament God gave you. So I want to ask you this, Kathy, because you are dealing with the kid, but you're also dealing with the crazy parents. How do you meander through that, that world of dealing with the crazy parent as you try to take care of the kid? Yeah, that's the most challenging piece, I think, because obviously everyone's coming from a good place. Everyone wants their kid to succeed and to enjoy what they do. But I think that it, it can be a real struggle. And so I just try to educate. I try to explain, you know, kids, they view Tommy John surgery as a velocity enhancer because they see these guys who go in, they get surgery, they come mm -hmm. out, they throw faster. 
And so what I try to do is explain why that is. And it's, it's likely has nothing to do with the new ligament that they have in their elbow as much as it has to do with the fact that they've now had 14 to 16 months of dedicated rehab where they have worked on their core. They have fixed the way that their shoulder blade moves. They've really attended to all the aspects of their mechanics and their strength and their stamina that have needed to be tended to all along. And I think sometimes when parents hear that, it educates them as well and they understand, um, you know, the importance of all the preventative things that we do. I also try to just use analogies like um, actually one of my mentors taught me, you can only put so many miles on a car. You can only put so many miles on an elbow. And as much as it's great to really try to hone in your skill set at a young age, and as, as, as wonderful it is as it is when sometimes these kids have skills that outweigh or outpace their skeleton, if you will, I think at the end of the day, um, it's important to understand that there is a finite number of throws that every athlete has, be it on a native ligament or on a reconstructed ligament. Um, and having that protected rest, you know, the American Academy of Pediatrics really recommends a solid three months off per year. So really just trying to continue to provide that consistent education. Um, and, you know, I think the key with the parents and kids at the same time is to try to speak to what speaks to both of them. So for instance, with parents, I think that some of them, of course, are all about the success of the child, but a lot of them really just don't want their kid to get hurt and want them to be able to continue to go out there and play. So if you speak to the injury prevention aspect of the importance of all these strengthening things that we're talking about right now and, and other, um, you know, workload modification, et cetera, they hear that. And then if, the, if you talk to the kid and you say, look, if you really work on your core and take a little break during these months and work on your, your um, lower body, you're going to pitch faster. And all they hear is faster. So I think just trying to, to appeal to both audiences um, and really kind of accomplish the same goal, but by, by uh, shedding additional light on what they both believe in and are prioritizing, that's what I try to do. Before I let you go, the Little League parent, uh, and we have so many that are listening to this show, they're going to want to know a couple of things. First, what is the pitch count? At what age? What should you be stopping, regardless of what the coach says? And is there a more dangerous pitch uh, for the elbow? Is a fastball the same as a curveball? Does it make a difference? Did you learn anything by putting sensors on these kids' arms to do your study? of what is a really bad pitch to throw as a kid who's growing versus one that's better for them? Yeah, I think those are great questions. So from a, from a pitch count perspective, you know, baseball developed this pitch smart system um, that basically really only accounts for in-game pitches. And that starts at age seven. And I, I think it's obviously an effort to, to monitor load. Um, but there's, there's, not great data that we have thus far to really state that the implementation of pitch counts is directly um, correlating with a decrease in overall injury um, incidents, as we talked about with this with this epidemic of injuries. And that's probably in part related to the fact that in-game pitch counts really only capture a certain percentage of the number of throws that a kid's going to throw. And that's mm. where these sleeves, like we used in this study, you know, the MODIS sleeve, which has the gyroscope and the sensor in it, is, is really can be a powerful tool because it really captures not only your pitches in game, but your bullpen pitches, any pitches you're making in practice, long toss, warm up, et cetera. And I think that taking that additional volume into account is, is really helpful. 
And then in terms of pitch type, you know, in this study that we did, we actually specifically only looked at fastballs, and I'd be really curious to do it again and with similar, um, you know, circumstances and, and look at additional types of pitches. Obviously, velocity itself um, is a big risk factor, and your fastball is going to give you the highest velocity. As kids are younger, there's been kind of mixed data depending on what papers you look at as it pertains to curveballs and sliders, but I think part of the issue is that they may not even really be throwing curveballs and sliders, so um, <laughs> kind of finding that and figuring that out, I think, is is one important aspect as well. But the you know the the nice thing about what this sleeve showed us in this study, where we basically looked at pitching from a mound at regulation distance versus flat ground, and then pitching actually at a shorter distance, which you know from a high school coach perspective is often done and thought to be less stressful on the elbow compared to regulation distance. So regulation being 60.5 feet and and the shorter distance being 50.5. And we basically compared these mound distances or throwing from a mound from these distances, I should say, to throwing from flat ground. And what we noticed was that the um, force across the elbow throwing from a mound was no different than throwing from flat ground. And yet the velocity you're able to obtain with your, with ball speed was higher. And so it really kind of spoke to the mechanical advantage and efficiency of throwing from a mound. And so potentially, you know, we could start to incorporate mound throwing in sooner with some of our throwing programs, et cetera. But that that was kind of the take home um, as it pertains to mound versus flat ground. And then interestingly, we actually found that the shorter distance was associated with um, a higher um, torque and a lower velocity, uh, which was kind of counterintuitive. But, you know, it's, it's difficult to, to assess that because obviously kids aren't necessarily used to throwing to a catcher at 50.5 feet and maybe they modify some of their behavior. Um, but I think that the, the punchline is just that mound throwing is not always as dangerous as I think we've previously perceived and may actually allow for greater mechanical efficiency. Hmm. You're terrific, Kathy. It makes you feel so good knowing that people like you are out there. What part of Ireland is your family from? I've been to Kilkenny, to Mullinavat, because we have very dear friends who are from the dairy farm area there. What? Where's your family from? Oh, yes, that's great. Um, my dad's origins are up from the Donegal region, so Bally Buffet mm. area. But I was lucky enough, you know, I, I was an Irish, did Irish studies in college and then actually got to go over and do an orthopedic rotation there as a medical student. And I've always spent my time mostly in Galway. Um, mm. have developed wonderful orthopedic mentorship and, and just, you know, can't beat the Irish people. Uh, <laughs> <in my> <laughs> <laughs> what a pleasure to talk to you. And thank you so much for being with us. Please say hi to Dr. Olchek, Dr. Brian oh, Kelly. Hello. Tell them you were with Dr. Clapper today and they'll get a big kick out of that. Oh, I sure will. And thank you so right. much for having me. It's an honor and I, I very much appreciate the invitation. All right. Thanks so much. Great. The great Kathy McElhaney, Dr. Kathy McElhaney from the Hospital for Special Surgery. What a pleasure to talk to her. All right, Warriors, the number is 877-710-ESPN. Coming up next, I'm going to tell you what Patrick Mahomes did to help solve his turf toe. What exactly is turf toe? And how do you treat it? And why does it make a difference in terms of being able to run around on the field? Coming up next on the Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Miss an interview or Doc's weekly story? Check it out on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Also, Doc's advice to callers on their aches and pains. Just type Weekend Warrior in the Facebook search bar and you'll see Doc's picture in the listings. And thanks for checking out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. 
You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar Sinai. What's going on, LA? This is Kobe Bryant. You're not going to leave me alone, are you? Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, the Grand Poobah, the Big Kahuna. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Is this the last segment? Okay. Okay. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. And especially welcome back to Anne Malone, listening from Ireland. (laughs) That's a shout out. What a great expert Dr. Kathy McElhaney is. What a pleasure to be able to talk to people at the forefront of their field. She's the Kobe Bryant of sports medicine right there. The Hospital for Special Surgery. So proud to be an alumnus of there and proud to be from Cedar sinai as well. All right, we'll take a call. I'll interrupt my Patrick Mahomes story. Who do we got, Steve Palant, on the line? Mark in Chatsworth. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Hey, uh, my name is Mark, and I'm a, I'm a first-year nursing student. It's actually my first week in nursing school, and just wondering what advice I can get from a doctor with a lot of experience like you on how nurses entering this crazy time right now can work better with doctors to provide effective care for their patients. What a great question. And you're asking the right person because not only am I a doctor, Mark, but my mother was a nurse. And to be honest with you, that's what I grew up seeing, the nurturing, the caring that my mother had for people and for patients. And what I strive for every day, yeah, is to be the best surgeon I can possibly be, but I also am striving to be the best nurse that I can be. And it's simple. Sometimes we make things too complicated. You've picked, in my opinion, one of the greatest things that you can do with your life, to be able to be the angel from above that a nurse is. The work is hard. The lifting of the patients, it's hard. I'd see my mom at the end of the day at home, and I'd say, today you particularly look tired. She goes, yep, today one of the patients weighed over 300 pounds, and lifting him was just impossible. And I'm like looking at this going, how could my mother be lifting a 300-pound person? But she did it because you get strength because of that adrenaline and the passion you have in, in what you do. And sometimes those patients may not be able to articulate how grateful they are but trust me they're grateful i as a surgeon am grateful just be yourself mark don't try to be anybody else just have a big smile on your face and know that you're doing god's work every single day i think teaching and nursing are the most noble things you can do with your life so keep at it mark i look forward to shaking your hand and meeting you one day this is the beginning of a most beautiful journey in your life And I'm very proud of you. And thanks so much for calling in. Appreciate it. All right, Warriors, you're very welcome. First, he lives in Chatsworth. Guess what's in Chatsworth? I should ask Mark. My favorite chili dog is in Chatsworth. That's the answer to today's quiz of where exactly did I go this week? God bless Yule Hauser for teaching me about this place. It's right near the railroad track. Devonshire, Chatsworth, Topanga Canyon Boulevard. 
It's called the Munchbox. It's been there since the 50s. This place has been there so long that there used to be just a dirt track behind it with a bar for people to take their horse and tie their horse up to go and have a hot dog at this place. Well, the dirt area is now a mini mall. And in 2003, at the 11th hour, they were going to knock this place down. But it was rescued. Rescued by the neighborhood. The people of Chatsworth saying, we can't lose the munchbox. And if you have any kids, let me give you some advice. Not only will you be having the best chili dog you've ever had, and everything else is delicious. My mouth is watering already. The Hickory Burger is unbelievable. But it's near the railroad track. So you will be literally eating there as the train just goes right by you. What a great way to spend a lunch with your family. I highly recommend it. The Munchbox. Now, let's get into Patrick Mahomes. Speaking of hot dogs, I'm going to use that as my clapper vision. I want you to imagine, look at your foot right now. You know what's so fascinating about a foot? The foot is in essence your hand facing down. When you have your hand palms up, the fancy word for that is called supination. You always can remember it because it's like bringing soup to somebody. Palms up is called supination. Palms down is called pronation. If you think about it, your foot, five fingers, five toes, wrist joint, ankle joint, big toe, thumb, the whole bit, your foot is in essence a pronated hand. With the differences that are obvious, but they're not that different, to be honest with you. And I want you to think about, look at your thumb right now, or look at your big toe. The bone themselves, the bone itself that gives you structure, it's the two by four in the house you're living in. The structural beam is the bone, the thumb, the big toe. I want you to imagine that that bone is the hot dog. The bun that the hot dog lives in is the abductor, adductor muscles, the ligaments, the capsule, the tendons that all surround the bone is the bun. In order for you to move forward, to walk, to run, to play football like Patrick Mahomes, your heel strikes the ground, your foot then becomes flat, and then you launch your foot and your body forward. The three Stages of gait are heel strike, mid stance, toe off. There's actually a moment in your walking, in your running, where all of your weight is on your big toe. If you do fast film analysis, you'll see it. I weigh 200 pounds. All 200 pounds are on one foot at a time. It's massive amount of stress. So those structures, the ligament, the capsule, the tendons that surround the musculature that surrounds the big toe, the bun, if the bone is the hot dog, is what propels you forward. Patrick Mahomes turf toe, it's as though you put too much chili, too much mustard, 
too much sauerkraut on the hot dog and the liquid went behind the hot dog, made the bun so moist and so watery that you went to pick up the hot dog and the hot dog bopped out of the bottom of the bun. Clapper vision. If you've eaten enough hot dogs like I had, this has happened many times where the structural support of the hot dog fails because the bun got too wet and it pops out the bottom. That's exactly what turf toe is. It's one of the most painful. It sounds like it's little. Oh, how can he be so debilitated? He just has a turf toe. Let me tell you something. You could dislocate your kneecap, which Patrick Mahomes did, by the way. Remember that a couple of years ago? This hurts more. We often have to do surgery. It ended primetime Deion Sanders' career. And many a basketball player suffers, particularly big men, with turf toe, a failure of the volar capsule, a failure of the soft tissue support for the big toe. So what Patrick Mahomes has in his shoe, this last playoff game and for the Super Bowl next Sunday, is a way to treat it that's so simple and elegant without surgery, without shots. He has an insert in his shoe that is stiff so that when he does heel strike, mid stance, toe off, he doesn't stress the big toe because of the stiffer plate that's inside his shoe. There's less flex at the big toe. And that's why he can comfortably run around the field. It's a simple and yet elegant way to treat the problem. And ultimately, it will scar and go on to heal without needing surgery. So there's your clap revision for Patrick Mahomes. And if I was a betting man, being 63 years old, I'm enjoying betting for a 43-year-old quarterback. But how could you not appreciate the goat playing the mini goat, the little goat? This is a walking example of a kid playing an adult, that I'm going to root for the old man in Tom Brady. Hello there. Cannot wait to see that Super Bowl. And we'll get into it. Next week's topic, coming up next, I'll explain. I'm so excited of what's coming up next week and who my guest will be calling in from Australia. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Holy emoji, clap man. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Holy slip disc. That's right, Robin. Hear listeners talk about their aches and pains. Holy hamstrings. Along with Doc's clapper vision. Breathe deeply. And advice to callers. On your toes, Robin. So like, follow, and enjoy. A wise decision. The Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Frankly, I can think of nothing more stimulating. Hey, what's up? It's LZ. Look, you know there's no better way to start your Saturday than with Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show. 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. From now on, I am not Robert Clapper. I want you to call me Smokey. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Dr. Smokey Clapper. 
That's the greatest. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. This has been a show because my heart was hurting this week, the anniversary of losing Kobe and his daughter and the other members in the helicopter. But Kobe has meant so much to me. Watching him as a rookie, going to every game with my family, watching him go from being a kid to being a champion five times. We all have the hurt, but we all are going to get through this together. He's never going to be a gray-haired old man. He's always going to remain young, almost like a Greek god because he left us so young. But the whole idea that he flew to the Mamba Center, just like Kenny Smith says, he lives in Orange County. Why is he building a gym an hour and a half away from where he lives? Because he wanted to make memories with his daughter and wanted other fathers and mothers to make memories with their kids for sports. Who better to understand what sports is like and should be like for a kid than a guy like Kobe who started out as a 17-year-old rookie, shooting the ball. I remember that Utah game, four in a row. He missed air balls one after another. I thought Shaq was going to kill him. He was shooting, 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 and nothing was going in, but he hung in there. We all watched it, all the mistakes. But the one thing was his work ethic, and that is the big equalizer. Yeah, maybe we're not as smart as the guy next to us, We're not as tall as the guy next to us, not as good looking as the guy next to us. But there's one thing that you can do in life that allow you to accomplish whatever you want in life. And none of that matters is your work ethic. You put more time in than anybody else, great things will happen. And he taught us that. And who who is teaching us that? A guy with more God-given talents than anybody. And when you watch LeBron James at this age with all those talents, just like Kobe was given, watch the last dance of Michael Jordan. Here are guys who actually have all the talent, but are also each of them going to outwork you. That's when good becomes great. But he also wanted to be the greatest father. And that's what he was showing us at this point in his life. And that's why the hurt is so great. So to dedicate this show to Kobe was number one on my mind. You wonder how I come out with the topics each week? They're easy. Next week, the topic is gonna be, thanks to the great Jared Abrams, calling in from Australia, the greatest surf leash. This is what attaches me to my surfboard. But you know, listening to this show, it's more than just an attachment to a surfboard to me. There's something deeper going on. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you on the radio. Vola.
the Weekend Warrior Facebook Know Your Knee Post. One of the most complicated areas of the body. ACL, PCL, MCL, patella supplication. Really? Dr. Clapper translates the language of your knee on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Simply type in Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Wow! Your knee feels better already. Damn right. Like, follow, and feel better. Hello there. With the Weekend Warrior Facebook page.